Hello, guys, welcome back to another episode of the ADH Dads. I always like to try to make JJ laugh with something uncomfortable and awkward before we start recording. I'm maybe just dived a little too personal with that one, but uh, welcome, guys. How you doing, JJ? I'm doing pretty good. Did you care to elaborate on the story that you were going to tell me just now, or is I don't just know. Between if, the two? Listen, we try to keep this show PG, and uh, my. <laughs> Bodily functions and 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 diet digestive issues are not for our audience members at the moment. So that's just for your ears, buddy. That's privileged information. That's funny. <laughs> for the most part, when 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 Cohen is you know uh, maybe has his own bodily functions going on, I'm not I'm not aware of it. But the one night uh, I could hear from him sleeping on his bed, just this. I mean, he was he was firing them off left and right one night, and I. I'm a pretty good cook. I think I delivered something to him that was good for his system, but unfortunately his system was deciding to, to just, just decide to sing some sort of song I hadn't heard before. So <laughs> we all have to deal with it. Yeah. Getting old is no, uh, it's, it's, it's for the birds or it's not for the birds. What's the saying? <laughs> I'm too old. I don't remember. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, just bodies are changing, man. I tell you, you know, <laughs> Oh man, yeah, buddy. We, you know, we've been going on this program, and I got a pivot from Coach Ray uh, just recently, and uh, I had asked him because you know I've had back issues for quite a long time, and it's been it's been a number of years since I last threw my back out, and that's probably because I decided to put a little bit of focus on other you know other uh, areas of the body besides I was just doing running, and that's when I first threw my back out, and uh, so I just simply texted him and and I said, uh, you know do you think it's okay or a good idea to do squats every day? Cause you know, I told him, I said, I'd like to, you know, strengthen my back and my legs. Cause I didn't give them enough attention when I was, you know, lifting when I was younger. And uh, then I get, uh, I get a Marco Polo video message from him and he's got this smirk on his face. Like, <laughs> good luck with this program. So <laughs> I am doing, I'm doing for the next five week, weeks, a daily leg day amongst oh, all boy. the other workout I'm doing. So, so yeah, every single day I'm going to do squats and stuff. It's going to be, or it's already started up. I did it yesterday and the day before. And <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. know, it's, it's he did the one. same thing to me, man. I said, Hey man, I'm, can you throw some ab exercises in there? I'd like to work on my, <laughs> my core, you know? And uh, now I'm doing abs every day. And I realized two weeks into that, well, I hate abs. It's like my least favorite <laughs> body part to work out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the benefit of, of, of all that, you know, is like it is the core. The core is, you know, it's attaching the top to the bottom and, and everything needs yeah. to work through that. And I think it's it's really easy for us to kind of lose focus of of those areas that really do support the entire body through most of the what we do in throughout the day. So, you know, the core can simply mean, you know, do some abs, do some back and, you know, do some ass. I mean, butt and, you know, just all that different stuff to uh, essentially support what it is that we do as dads which man i'm telling you i still carry cohen around on my shoulders a lot of the time because he just likes that and i'm like i i can still do it that's great but it does take its toll and if i don't actually work on that in the way it needs to be worked on oh man i'm gonna be you know we're gonna be talking about aging too quickly yeah. too soon and i don't want to do that so <laughs> I, I don't want the i don't want that stage to end i'm really and i'm getting close yeah. with naomi She's eight and she's very tall, you know, mm -hmm. so and and uh, we're, we've gotten to the point where she can't sit comfortably on my shoulders anymore. She's got to kind of like shift to one shoulder <laughs> oh, that's the because worst, she's too. so long and lanky, you know, so <laughs> she has to like kind of put all of her weight on one shoulder and then she has to like bounce back and forth when I carry her. And I'm noticing that the 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 distance that I can go with her on my shoulder is not as long as the other kids. So I, we've got like a year you know, or two left, man, where like, I'm going to have that stage with her. And, and, uh, I've been really intentional about, uh, garnishing that, that moment and that memory, you know, mm. my wife has always given me crap when we go to Disneyland or on walk in, she's <laughs> like, you're going to hurt yourself, but I'm just like, <laughs> let, let me be in this moment. <laughs> yeah. When I took kid out to Disney world and his grandparents were with us and she said, you know, his, his grandma said to me, he can walk. And, and I just, I remember thinking or saying it, you know, well, yeah, he can, but two things. <laughs> One, we'll probably have a cranky kid much earlier in the day if he walks a lot. And two, I'm not going to be able to do this for forever. And when I get to that point where I can't do it, 
which you know is when he's going to be 18 i'm sure <laughs> um <laughs> it, it'll be it'll be hard to kind of think about that knowing that that's something that's forever in the past and uh, it's an easy way to connect with your kids to you know to feel that closeness and you know i mean physically you're just close but uh you know honestly you're connecting and it's it's a big deal for me so i i would love to hold on to that as much as i can as, for as long as i can so i feel it and sometimes my back feel it, my shoulders <laughs> with the arthritis that I de- developed over the last few years, those definitely feel it. But uh, I'm still, I'm still grateful every single time I get to do it with him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what are we talking about today, brother? Hmm. I don't know. How you feeling? How you feeling about this? I don't, I'm feeling a little uh, discouraged from my uh, um, recent experiences trying to tackle this moment you know, uh, or this, this topic, because we've been talking about, uh, wanting to talk about empathy on this episode and, uh, with our neurodivergent kids, man, that can, uh, look a little different than it shows up in most. And I think that, you know, there's a certain stage of development where that becomes more prevalent, you know, or kids start to understand that more, uh, and maybe it's a little delayed or it looks a little different with, uh, neurodivergent kids. Um, so I kind of just want to talk about strategies and uh, what that looks like in each of our lives and what kind of methods have worked or not worked for us, because uh, I think it's a constant rotation of different tools. So I just wanted to see mm. what you were up to in that world and uh, what's working for you or what's your experience has been. Yeah, it is. It is definitely an area where I've I've felt the two steps forward and you know, or one step forward and two steps back, whatever it is, you know, there's definitely been a lot of, a lot of mixed feelings about how it's going in my kiddos world. And uh, I think one thing that I just want to preface is that what I, what I struggle with, not on a regular basis, but what I definitely struggle with is outsiders looking in and not trying to understand my kiddo. So they just, they label him as, you know, uh, difficult or mean or, you know, self-centered and stuff. And while, you know, while one is not practicing empathy and is is instead in a situation where they are focusing on what they can get, it can appear that way. But also the other thing that I have said recently too, is that my son craves connection. So the challenge that I face with him is, is identifying in others, sometimes what he wants them to see in him. Because a lot of times when he is with his friends, or just a, a good example, he talked about uh, wanting to see his, uh, one of his friends that he knows at school. And I asked him, you know, what, what, what would you like to do? And he says, I'd really like to show them this. And I'd like to, you know, I'd like to have them, you know, see me do this. And so it's definitely him focusing in on, you know, the exchange and what he gets out of it. And that's that's been an ongoing conversation that I could either throw my hands up in the air and say, oh, he's just not getting it. Or I could continue to ask questions. And that's kind of the big one for me is how do I ask questions and how do I carry on that conversation with him to understand a little bit more about what that looks like when somebody receives it or what they what they might feel if they wanted to approach him and show him something. And uh, it, it is, I'm telling you, that's, the, that's a big practice in patience because most of the time he'll come back to I and, uh, and he doesn't fully seem to get the concept of walking in somebody else's shoes or taking the approach of what does that other person feel when they're going through this situation or this interaction with myself. So honestly, the big thing for me is just maintaining that consistency and modeling and showing like teaching him some sort of like perspective taking. Uh, So anytime we can set up a scenario and especially if we have like any sort of visual cues for them to look into that to me is like the slow way to teach it because sometimes it's not going to become as natural to kids with ASD or ADHD to, to take on the role of an empathetic listener. Rather, it does take a lot of examples for them to start to register it. And even then when they register it, it might be just simply trying to go through the motions to try and get to a certain outcome that they want to get to. But I want to, of course, encourage the idea that that's still on the path to empathy, to developing empathy. Because yeah, sometimes our kids with the ASD, ADHD, they, they simply lack that empathy in them. And 
it does take an extra effort of a bigger shovel to constantly put in the work over and over again till they finally get it a little bit more and want to practice it on their own. And who knows? They could be practicing it in a way that looks very much, you know, internally, what can I get out of this situation? But that's okay because if they're practicing it, they will see some sort of return in one way or the other. It could be a closer bond with somebody. It could be that somebody wants to be around them more. And that can, in its own way, bring them to the path of, you know, developing a strong, empathetic heart. It might look a little different. Their their goal, their end goal might be one thing in their head at one point. But when they when they have that consistency where they're developing something with somebody else and that person is showing them feelings in return, I think that's how it starts to register. And it's mm. it's about patience. It really is about patience. And man, I'm terrible with my patience sometimes in that area. Mm. Yeah, I, I think you might be onto something there in the sense that, uh, you know, maybe we try to rush like the the feelings of empathy rather than like the, you know, the tactical advantage that it can have for our our neurodivergent kids, you know, which like you say that and it kind of feels like, well, that's narcissism. Like if you're just like manipulating people to get, you know, empathetic responses just so you can get what you want, you know, but, and, and I think of, uh, the, this book that you know, we were talking about before this, and I've mentioned on this podcast, Chris Voss's never split the difference. You know, he's a FBI hostage negotiator, you know, um, and, uh, you know, worked at Quantico and dealt with all these terrorist negotiations and, and kidnappings and, and stuff like this. And, you know, what he's learned through that career and how he implements it into like consulting for like businesses and corporations and, and even families, you know, and your relationships with your wife and your, your kids even, you know, and, and uh, he uses the word tactical empathy. You know, which again can kind of sound like this, like hostage negotiator. I'm only asking you these questions to get what I want out of you, you know? And I don't know why I use that voice, but that's imagine how I imagine Chris Voss negotiates. Um, but, you know, so, but I think that something like that could be really beneficial for like Naomi's logical interpretation in her brain, you know, not like, Cause you know, we talked to, you talked about uh, perspective shifting, you know, and like, you know, well, how does, how do you think that would make you feel if someone did that to you? And um, I'll tell you, brother, I don't know if that works in my household with, with, with my neurodivergent kid. She can poke holes in that, you know, well, I would never do that in the first place. You know, well, I would never have friends that didn't like that. You know, I would only hang out with people that liked going to the pool. So that wouldn't be an issue. She, she can find the, it doesn't work. You know, that's a smart kid then. That's one yeah. thing I recognize is she's very smart. You know, she's, she has she, boundaries. She's checked her boxes. She knows what she wants, <laughs> you know, but uh, I think that maybe like, well, listen, like you're never going to, you know, cause I, we've talked about on this podcast, how I've noticed that she struggles with social dynamics, you know, she really wants friends, but she can't understand like why they're not long lasting, you know, or, or how some of them maybe go a little, uh, or they maybe seem to get frustrated with her. And we've tried again, pointing out these perspective shifts and well, are you bossy? Well, do you always have to be the one that says, you know, no, or this or that. And, you know, no, you know, <laughs> Of course. So again, getting her to like put the mirror on herself can be difficult at times. But like when you open up the conversation to more of like, well, have you tried this? Then you may be able to get what you want. If you ask this question, then maybe they'll be more willing to play your game or listen to your idea rather, you know. And uh, I think that on the path to that, though, is where we grow into the you know, um, empath response of like, Oh, that's how they feel. Oh, I wouldn't want to feel that way. You know? So, and maybe that comes with like, we were saying development at a certain age at a certain point. Um, or, or maybe it takes very intentional, um, you know, conversations about this and, and recognizing it and trying to get them to recognizing it repeatedly, like you said, with a lot of patience and persistence. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that you pointed out there that I think is, 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 is vital to our kids understanding is, you know, when they're in the moment and we're recognizing something and then we point out, okay, this is a way you're not connecting. Like that's, that's 
kind of just telling them, you know, after they've already probably at least in some way built up a story in their heads about why they're at, why they're choosing this path in this situation, like that's going to be harder for them because they're, you know, they they are focused on this, you know, this task, this goal, this is what I want to do. This is why I'm playing this way. So kind of trying to pull them out of that situation and saying, "Hey, you know, these kids don't want to be with you because of this." They might be thinking, well, this is why I'm doing this. I'm doing this right now. This is an active choice. So it's hard to kind of get away from that mindset. So I guess one of the thoughts that I had about that is, you know, um, is doing some sort of practicing empathy when you're not in a situation that's essentially taking place. So what could that look like? Let's say we've got, uh, you know, we'll just put on a movie and pause it with somebody's face, you know, uh, in a certain expression of emotion and have a conversation. You know, what do you, you know, what does it, what does it look like they're feeling right now? Huh? Okay. Well, why might they be feeling that way? And then hopefully that conversation goes for a little bit. And then we start to ask about mind or we start to practice mindfulness. Well, what, you know, what would you be feeling in that situation? Or if you were this person's friend how might you be able to talk with them and help them in this situation? So I think the thing that I struggle with is that I tend to notice it in the situation. <laughs> and then therefore I try to rescue, which unfortunately is usually trying to alienate, not an intentional thing, but that honestly is what happens a lot of times. Like if you do that, they're not going to want to be your friend. Like, Oh, great. Thanks. I'm just a failure. I appreciate that. What am I supposed to learn about being empathetic right now, dad? <laughs> Yeah, it never seems to go well in the moment when the emotions are heightened, just like arguments with our spouses or partners, right? Like, it needs to take place in a time of common. And I think you're right, JJ, I, you know, those visual cues in, in time where it's not like at the forefront of our kiddos, um, you know, situation is is really important. You know, we were watching Ruby Gilman, uh, Teenage Kraken. And there was some stuff in there where Naomi was maybe like misidentifying facial cues or what was going on, you know? Um, and it was a great time to like pause the movie and talk about that and like, you know, see where she was coming from and why she interpreted it that way. And we had some really good conversations about empathy, you know, that seemed that we could like reference moving forward from that. Remember that Ruby Gilman scene where we thought there was this, and it was this, you know, like, so we, you know, that's, that's some lasting effects that I've seen, but rarely does it go good when, you know, you're, like you said, you're, she's in the moment of why doesn't anybody want to play with me? And you go, well, because you're bossy and mean, what would you want to play with you either? You know? And then it's like, oh, shame. Oh, I failed. I, you know, I'm no good. And uh, I think those, visual cues are really important too, right? You know, because again, we, we try to like course correct or like trauma response immediately after trauma rather than like sitting down in a moment of calm with like visual cues and like, this is what this looks like. How do you interpret it? When is the time you felt like this? When is the time maybe you've made somebody feel like this? You know, which is I think where we can really connect the dots more. Yeah, I mean, you, you you said something really good. Ruby Gilman, right? Is, is the name of the program. Mm -hmm. So I just want to point out that to you uh, that you're probably well aware of. It's like you focus on a special interest that they have, and therefore their engagement is already rising uh, because they they already they already have a, a a like or a comfort in that you know in that whatever uh, content they're consuming. So being able to kind of translate what what it is that this message is in the content for them to to really analyze is something that's very powerful too um so you know when when they're in the middle of play they're probably focusing on um what it is that they want in that situation but when they are an observer to something that they actively choose to observe you know that you've got some some greater interest uh taking place so you're providing a great opportunity for them to to you know, honestly, like really want to dive into what it is that this program is that they love, like, like Wednesday Adams, you know, you mentioned that, uh, that uh, opportunity to, you know, see how some, you know, learning of uh, Taekwondo could, uh, could be applied uh, in her life based on what she sees in somebody, some, you know, program that she looks up to, and that got her interest uh, peaked a little bit and wanting to, in, you know, engage with it more. And, uh, and that's very powerful for her because it's something that she's already chosen actively to, to invest herself into. And so therefore, 
you're basically just kind of continuing that, uh, I, I guess I want to say that uh, consumption of that media and not just leaving it for you as the uh, observer, but now the participant by having a conversation about it. Yeah, man, sometimes it, it can be hard, though, you know, um, to to create that space and and have those conversations. You know, we've we've talked about how sometimes these neurodivergent meltdowns can last several hours, if not a day or several days, you know, and um, we do one on one time with the kids each week we rotate and it was my week with Aubrey, our middle one. And, um, so it was kind of choice day. She gets to dictate what we're doing, where we're doing in it. And, you know, and, uh, mama had some classes to teach online. So I kind of got the other two kids on our one-on-one -on -one day, but it was like, still Aubrey gets to choose what we're doing. You know, even though the other kids are here, like, because I have to watch all of you, like it's still Aubrey's day. So she gets to choose. And we just kind of had a similar setup with that the week before with Naomi, uh, where mama was had to teach a class and it was Naomi's day. So Aubrey and Caden had to do what, you know, Naomi wanted. And we, she got to dictate the day and every time Aubrey complained it was Na it's Naomi's day Aubrey you know you have to be respectful of that well tables are turned buddy and uh, Aubrey's making all the choices and Naomi's you know in conflict with that and doesn't want to do that when she wants to do that and as we're progressing along this day it's becoming more and more resentful you know, we're, we're packing more resentment into it. And Naomi's saying things like, well, I can't wait until it's my day. I'm not going to let Aubrey play, you know, or I'm going to choose this because I know Aubrey hates it, you know, or Aubrey picked that movie and she knows I hate that movie. So I'm going to pick this movie. And, you know, she's <laughs> just like planning how she's going to get back at her sister when she has the power, you know? <laughs> And, I'm and every because it's not my situation. <laughs> yes. You know, it's just pettiness, man. Just petty. You know, and and every time Aubrey opens her mouth, Naomi is using it as an opportunity to dig at her. Well, I don't mm. want to do that because you did this. And, you know, well, I don't want to eat that because you chose this, you know, and just using every opportunity she can. Every opportunity that it's Naomi's turn to speak, she's making it about how she's going to get back at Aubrey, you know, and I'm trying to like it starts out patient and simple, you know, JJ with a perspective shift. Well, Naomi last week was your week, you know, and Aubrey had to do what you said and she didn't complain and she didn't make this about her. So we have to do the same, you know, and then it becomes, you know, more into Naomi. If you're going to be like this, you're, you're going to have to go in the other room because this is Aubrey's day and you're ruining Aubrey's day for her, you know? And then it turns into, you know, I'm, we're, we may not even have a day for you next week because of the way you're treating Aubrey now. You know, if, if you're going to make it all about how you're going to punish Aubrey, maybe we just won't have a day. You know, and then it's, well, you're losing your iPad for a week because you won't stop doing it. And then yeah. all the way until two in the morning when she comes out of her bed into our bedroom to wake us up to go, did you talk to Aubrey about that stuff yet? Because... <laughs> I'm really upset with her that she chose that movie. It's, like, <laughs> it's two in the morning and you're coming in here. It's keeping her up at night. She just can't let it go, JJ. Right. You know, like her mind gets so locked into that like ASD thought train, you know, and there's only one path and the brakes are off and we're going full throttle until we get to this destination and we feel it's been accomplished, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, that can be difficult, man, to like, how do you navigate in the moment, you know, where you, this is definitely a conversation we should go back and try to revisit to re refocus and put that perspective shift in there, right? Maybe we can get her to, to identify with some of these, these concepts. But in the meantime, the one on day, the one on one day with the other kid kind of got ruined, you know, mm -hmm. like, so it, sometimes we need to like, stop it in the moment but how yeah. do we when you know it's it's come off the rails so to speak like that you know and sometimes i think the answer to that is <sighs> <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Exactly, brother. I'm still figuring it out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, it, it's such a cop-out answer that I'm going to say. It's not an answer. It's a discussion point to continue this conversation. But as we know, a person, a, a beautiful child with ASD is very good at consistency. <laughs> <laughs> I'm consistently not okay with this situation. I'm I'm already thinking about my week and my choice and how I have full control. So my control is completely in that area where I know I have full control over, but I'm consistently unhappy in this area. So I'm truly just like on my, on my wavelength and nobody else is on this wavelength, but I don't care as long as I can at least get my wavelength to be consistent in the way I want it. That's good for me. So how do you how do you respond with that uh, to yeah. to that? I mean, again, like God, I hate I hate this term, brother, because it just it doesn't feel good in the moment when you're dealing with this stuff. But the long game is really part of it, right? Is if somebody is so good, your child is already so masterful at being consistent across the board that it almost comes across as obsessive. Let's, let's be honest. It's, it, it, it appears that obsession. If somebody, if Naomi's coming into your room at 2 a.m. going, hmm, I think we still have some things to figure out on that one. Been thinking about that since 4 p.m. Yeah, let's have that conversation. You know, like that's, that's an obsessive thought that they've got or that she's had, you know? What do you got to do? Somehow you got to understand their perspective and that might be returning back to that same conversation multiple times. But the benefit, of course, being is that now we are trying to at least also show to them what we're hoping they'll show to us in the long run. And I doubt from week to week, we're going to see enough of a pattern change for them to say, oh yeah, okay, so you understand what I'm thinking. I understand what you're thinking here. Next week, it's going to be different. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just go along with everything. Well, no, because that's not consistent with how I want to you know, best have this situation go for myself. Right. <laughs> but the big thing is, is like you tried to do that. It's like, OK, this week is Aubrey's week. This week is Naomi's week. And this is our routine. How do you hammer that home with somebody who's obsessively thinking about what they want? You have to do that clear daily routine reminders like this is this is going to be the case. This is going to be the case to the point where like that's like the the broken record in their heads where they're thinking, OK, this is this is Aubrey's week. This is Aubrey's week. This is Aubrey's week. My week's coming up, my week's coming up, my week's coming up. And hopefully through that process, you help her give, you know, give uh, or give her a lot of uh, empowerment to come up with a plan. So while Aubrey's week is taking place and granted, buddy, I'm not saying you should try this for sure, but it is something that, that came off the top of my head. Um, while it is Aubrey's week, you have check-ins with Naomi saying, hey, have you thought about what you want to do when it comes time for your week? What sounds good to you? So... You're not taking away from Aubrey, but you are at least checking in and trying to understand where she's coming from because it is hard to have to give up at any given moment. And, uh, you know, why, why should I give up my time? I know this isn't in my best interest or what I want to do. What's the benefit of, in me just pretending to be something I'm not with it? I think it's that routine that really has to be hammered home. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Reflections on the whole experience were, um, yeah, you know, I think when it comes to these moments, a lot of prep talks are, are really, uh, required with, with a child with, with ASD, you know, um, with transitions, we got to give warnings, you know, 15 minute warning, 10 minute warning, five minute warning, you know, it can't just be, okay, now it's time to brush teeth. Like, you'll never get teeth brushed, brother. You gotta, you gotta understand this strategy early on or you'll never make it out alive. You know, like, and if you don't, if you miss those, those, those warnings, you know, it's, it's hard. So, you know, that, and that goes not just with transitions or, or, or chores, but, you know, some like days like this where power is maybe taken away or she's not having full autonomy over like the situation of what's going on. And, you know, another thing is, you know, this is why we do these days separate so that this doesn't happen and that this doesn't get derailed. But, you know, circumstances prevented it this time. But I think it's, you know, to to get um, 
to be more adamant about having one-on-one time as one-on-one time, you know, because uh, meltdowns are going to happen and, and, and perspectives and interests are going to conflict, you know, and uh, how we ended up uh, dealing with the situation, at least temporary from, you know, bedtime to two in the morning where she had to bring it back up again, um, you know, was, you know, one of our strategies is it's got to be her idea. You know, you can't say go in the other room and don't watch the movie with us. You have to say, well, this isn't a movie that you're really interested in, right? Isn't there something that would be more interesting in the other room? Like drawing, you said you wanted to draw. So why don't you go do that in the other room then? You know, or do you think that would be fun or what would be more fun? You know, and that's the strategy, you know, Um, which again, isn't always easy. Sometimes just like as an inpatient, tired parent, you just want to just be like, because I said so, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I think when we get to that point, we've really failed. We've really dropped the ball. Um, and it just is the the life of being a parent that we just going to have to repeat ourselves, brother. <laughs> We're just going to have to have the same conversation over and over and over again until it sticks. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it happens often where, you know, we, we just find ourselves going, are we really are we really going through this again? Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, going on Halloween night had had one obsessive thought, and he wouldn't he wouldn't get over it. He'd ask the same question, and we would, you know, his mom and I, we kind of just at times we chuckled, and other times, you know, later on down the road when it was asked again, we were kind of like, why why are we still talking? Why why can't we get past this point and enjoy the night? But that's because we were in our heads more than we were in his head. Um, and it's so it's so very easy for them to uh, to to make us feel uncomfortable. Not make us feel we get ourselves uncomfortable with the situation because we want to move on from an you know obsession that they're having. But that's not their world. So you know that consistency thing is 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 a powerful thing for them to to work through. And uh, you know one of the other strategies that I had had thought up uh, while we were talking here too is you know you mentioned like you know removing them from the space. Uh, man, it's so hard to always kind of try and change the way we talk about that and the way we act, you know, the way we actually act on it. So let's say we're moving. Let's say, I know. And I know where you're going with this, JJ. And I, you know, I wanted to say too earlier, you know, like when I wanted to get her out of the space so I can concentrate on Aubrey because it's her day. There's a part, there's a guilt part of me, a shame part of me, you know, that I just, I'm, defaulting into that old our our parents generation mindset of you know go be in the other room and deal with it Mm. yourself like your feelings are too intense for me so i i I can't help you with it right now there's a little bit of that you know but again if we if we can reframe it you know into not go in the other room but isn't there something that you would rather be doing or something that excites you more rather than like living in this sorrow you know and (laughs) take tearing the whole house down with you and not those words but anyways i i just kind of derailed your thought but i knew where you were going and i wanted to kind of say say the same thing earlier too that i know that that does spark a, a a a guilty aspect in us as parents that we just want to like shove it off. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think our intent is, you know, what we really want to have happen for our kids is in, you know, it's in, it's in good nature. It's not, it's not like, Oh, I just want to dump you off somewhere because you're impossible. I think, you know, we get frustrated and, you know, sometimes we feel like we just want to, you know, just make the situation stop. Um, so it could feel that way, but I think that the the things that I've learned over the years, especially, you know, as Cohen's going to this new school, is that there are great opportunities. And I will say it depends also on your dynamic and what you have available to you in the situation. So one of the things that I thought about for, you know, a married couple's home with multiple kids is, you know, if the neurodiverse kid is having an emotional breakdown and is is having a hard time with the agreed upon routine or just, you know, the, 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 whatever's taking place that day. Uh, what about we have this special fidget, uh, item that they can have either in the moment or if the moment's still too much for them, one of the two parents takes that kiddo aside and hands the fidget and say, here's our opportunity to connect. Let's talk about what's going on. How are you doing? You know, let's, let's make this, let's make this a special moment for you right now. And that special moment needs to be, needs to be quiet. 
but here's your fidget. Here's your special thing that you can focus on and help you kind of work through this. Let's talk about it. I'm not saying that's the successful answer by any means, but then I'm I'm a single dad and sometimes I'm with my kiddo in a situation where I do have the opportunity to take him aside and kind of help comfort him. He is still one of those kids that absolutely feels comforted by a hug or just me like really kind of having a soft voice and a nod that means a lot to him. It does practice empathy in return for him. So he's seeing some sort of validation of his feelings, which I think does, you know, in some way, you know, in, in a little bit of a way, but still some way model that behavior to him that we eventually would like to see him also mo- model towards somebody else. Um, and then at school for him, you know, we're going through this IEP evaluation and uh, right now what they do is if he is having a moment of full distraction, sometimes he come in, comes in from recess and let's say something happened on the playground and it wasn't resolved on the playground. So now, oh, I'm supposed to go and sit down and do your math. I'm supposed to be sitting down and doing equations when all I have is this on my mind. Well, they, they oftentimes will recognize that like this is not the right moment for him to be able to sit and focus on that because he's still focusing in on that previous thing. They have a space for that. We have the special education room. And that doesn't mean we're dumping you off in the special education room. That means, hey, Cohen needs a little bit of a different space to make this a successful moment for him to learn. We have this setup over here for him to do just that. He's got these things to focus on. I don't know, kind of like that fidget thing I mentioned. I don't know. It's just a thought that I had in my head. Um, so more or less, it's 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 recognizing that our kids are having a moment of struggle with the moments pr- that's presented to them. And I think we do, you know, not because we're trying to, you know, bow to their every need or their every desire, but instead we're trying to say, okay, we see you, we hear you. It sounds like this is a difficult moment for you. Guess what? This is the thing that we all understand and agree upon that we can do in these situations. So we're actually showing you a lot of care and, and you know, love by taking you aside to the place that we know is your safe space when you're having big feelings. Because your big feelings are taller than the biggest peak over here in Salt Lake City or across the across the pond. It's just huge right now. And we want you to be able to come back down to where you're comfortable too. Because we don't want you to be feeling big feelings that are over top of the mountains. We want you to be here with everybody because we know you love everybody and everybody loves you. Yeah, that's uh, something that we've, we've been um, working on too in, in our household of... You know, not uh, not that you can't have your feelings. Um, you know, you you pointed me to a good book the other day too. Marriage be hard, and in there, uh, one of the things that they said that I I really enjoyed. It said, uh, you know, start explaining your anger and stop expressing it. You know, and uh, that was like something I needed to hear. You know, um, in my own life, um, in my own struggles with like, you know, my tone of voice or the way that I maybe present uh, my opinion sometimes. And uh, that was wildly impactful. And that's something that we've been trying to, you know, verbalize to to Naomi. You know, it's it's okay to feel these feelings, but when you just react to them and you just let them out without any sort of... Um, acknowledgement or leash on them or some sort of boundary or restraint on them. It can, it can make things worse and it can make that things more detrimental. And we've tried all the fidget things, man, from serenity jars to the spinners, to the, you know, the squishy balls. And we've ended up with stains on our carpet and, you know, broken fidget ball bearings under the couch. And, you know, they, they only last a certain amount of time before, you know, neurodivergence seems to find a way to disassemble it and figure out how it works, you know, (laughs) but um, I think that, you know, there, each kid has a has a, a niche, a, a certain thing that resonates with them, that speaks to them, that can help them calm down. And as we're talking through this podcast, I'm really realizing my daughter's is drawing. You know, or if you can set her to, aside to go do some art, that can really like whatever the thing was that obsessive thought. Drawing can be the tunnel vision right to it. You know. Same. So I think that that's really going to be the superpower moving forward is like, why don't we draw, you know? And that's what worked last night during this whole meltdown was like, you know, instead of go separate yourself, go calm down, go stop thinking about this, 
you know, stop ruining this moment. It was go do something that you want to do right now. You like to draw, go draw. And that was the, oh, okay. Now I can calm down to hear you enough to say, okay. She was still obsessed with it, but the, the emotions went from an 11 down to a four, you know? So I think that each one of our kids has something that grounds them, you know, just are we exploring it the right way? And are, are we asking what that is and, and paying attention, excuse me, paying attention to what that is. Hope I didn't just burp in your ear. I feel safe. It's good. <laughs> you know, I love that because my kiddo also, uh, he, he loves to draw. And uh, we happen to have a book that we've had for years and he still likes to return to it. Have you heard of The Color Monster? No, no. What's this? All right. Well, I'll get it. I'll get it when you're talking for a little bit and then I can show it for a, a quick example on the on the screen here. But the color monster is essentially uh, he. This monster will change his color based on the emotion he's feeling, and uh, what's beautiful about it is it gives you examples throughout the book of how you might feel a certain feeling, and of course the colors surrounding that uh, you know on that page are an example of that emotion. So they all you know they all have complementary. Uh, drawings on each page and it's kind of scribbled, but you know, it's, it, it's, it's just a really, you know, it's a really fun book, easy to digest. And then the beautiful part of it at the end is color monster seems to be feeling something new. It's a new color. What's this? And, you know, then, then not only is it trying to walk kids through how somebody might be feeling a certain emotion in a given situation, but then it also shows like the curiosity. It tries to bring out the curiosity in the reader by saying, oh, something new. What's going on with that emotion? Just like that beautiful movie Inside Out, right? As those colors are, are represented, not just not just the characters, but also their colors have something to do with how their emotions are responding to the situation. So uh, I love that. And being able to, you know, if we have kiddos with neurodiversity who find some sort of comfort in the idea of being creative and drawing, Wow, you know, it, let's 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 go aside because we're having a big moment. Can you draw that moment? What does that feeling feel like if you were to put it down on paper? Let's let's see what you can express on paper because wow, this is a great opportunity to try and understand where we're at right now. Um, yeah, anything that really kind of uh, advocates for the individual and where they're suffering or where they're succeeding. And really kind of running with that, I think is a it's it's a it's a perfect opportunity for them to try and explore that empathy, because then we can continue it further by saying, Oh yeah, that happened in that situation. We said, you know, well, Aubrey was kinda of, you saw her lip was was pushing out, her bottom lip was pushing out a little bit, and it looked like maybe she might have had tears. Like, what do you think she felt? Can you draw that too? Being able to not just keep it from within, but also eventually without. And uh, and continuing that conversation, I think is is part of the process of uh, finding that empathy within. Because I know I know ASD people are completely capable of developing uh, deep empathy. It's just us that we we sometimes don't know how to always get to that point with them, or we're just lost along the way ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. I'm gonna uh, check that out, uh, Color Monster. I got another uh, good resource for you too. It's called Slumberkins. Uh, that's a good book series. Uh, it's I, 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 I'm convinced it was made for uh, kids with neurodiverse is, issues um, because each book is about like a different thing, like how to garnish empathy, you know, or um, how to deal with anger, you know, or, um, you know, each in each book comes with a little plushy toy. You know, so the one with empathy comes with like a narwhal little plushie. And it's about this narwhal that's trying to like, you know, empathize with this dolphin that's, you know, being rude or whatever. And uh, so like that was a really good series. You know, like if you have a kid with different neurodiverse issues or, you know, different um, uh, struggling in different areas, that was, you know, really good. You know, there was a hammerhead shark about, you know, for, for dealing with anger and there's a alpaca one for, for stress or Bigfoot for self-esteem dragons to help, you know, garnish creativity or the Ibex for emotional awareness, you know, so there's all sorts of different ones to help teach kids, um, about different emotions and, 
it's using all of these techniques that we're talking about, visual cues, you know, a plushie, something interactive, something that they can connect to, relate with, and then all these pictures in this book to, you know, pause and talk about all of these different feelings and how they show up in different situations. So um, if you haven't checked that series out, you, I think you should you'd get a kick out of that too. Slumberkins. That's yeah, I've heard of it. I've not gotten into it, but I'm definitely curious about it. So I'll have to look into that. But, uh, you know, you, you and I, we just came up. The only downfall that... of Slumberkins is they are expensive. They are stupid expensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like $50 books because you got it's $10 for the book and $40 for the plushie. <laughs> and the artist fee, yeah. Um, but I think you and I stumbled upon something great with this conversation that I'll, I'll highlight in a second. But yeah, the color monster here. You've got you know anger, joy, uh, and sadness, and all that stuff, which sounds an awful like Inside Out. I don't know which one came first, so maybe they need to duke that out eventually. I'm not sure, but yeah, it was probably thought... the Color Monster Man. Disney's always biting off of original <laughs> content. But it starts off. What I love, it starts off with the Color Monsters confused. So there's all sorts of emotions going on. Which, truth be told, a lot of us sometimes are just in a state of wonder and confusion, and so we are experience all the different emotions, and we could be pushed in any direction at any given time. But uh, here, I'm just gonna turn to. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think that I think the scared one, the fear, was a really good example. Um, but one thing I was gonna highlight while I try and find this page is that I think you and I noticed something in this conversation. It's, uh, it's creativity. And sometimes I think we tell ourselves that our kids with ASD are not so creative. They're just trying to get through the situation as, as like logical and rational or without, without real you know, empathy in mind. But creativity, every one of us has imagination. We just need to tap into understanding what it is that our kids with ASD have in terms of their imagination and really go with that. So if drawing is a way, is an outlet for them, they're going to find a way to create a story that makes sense to them so they can relate their emotions to it. And yeah, this is the one that happens to be, you know, uh, one that hit my kiddo well. It says, uh, when you're afraid, you feel tiny. You think you don't have the courage to face the gray shadows and I can help you along your way. So all these little these little moments of creativity and imagination are shown visually and also um, kind of, you know, remind us of what that looks like inside of our heads when we're trying to make a story about this creative and, uh, and, um, and colorful world that we have going on. So I think our imaginations with our ASD kids sometimes have to be, you know, translated to us for the, us to understand them better. And if our kids like yours and mine, it's, it's through drawing, that's a great opportunity to really run with it. So what is it about the next ASD kid? How, if it's coding, well, what do you do with your with your coding? How could you make something special that makes makes you feel excited or joy or whatever, you know, through that? We can find a way to get there. So that's that long game approach again. How do I best empathize with them so then they can in turn understand that type of language coming inward to then put it outward? Yeah. Yeah, I love that, man. Because, uh, yeah, like you said, just because uh, there's neurodiversity there or we have kiddos with ASD doesn't mean that empathy is off the table. Like this, it's, I'm, we, you know, I think it's uh, a, a beautiful, different kind of empathy, but it's still a, a, a beautiful perspective on empathy. And uh, I think with just the right guidance and, and curiosity that that we can really get them to understand it and use it um, to help them in, in life and, and help them be successful with with not only the things that they're trying to obtain, um, but the relationships that I know that they, they do crave and and that, you know, my little one wants in her life. So I, I think, like you say, the the persistence and the exploration of like the superpower of creativity and how we can use that to help us understand situations that maybe feel like they're far from understanding for our neurodivergent kids. I think that uh, through persistence, we can really get them to kind of say, oh, wow, this isn't something that's out of my control, but if I use it this way, can really be powerful. Yeah. And, and just think about, think about what, benefits everybody receives from something like that really trying to understand others and being completely open and honest about yourself 
I mean, what's a classic example of somebody saying, oh, I don't care where we go to eat. And then later on, you find out, oh, they really didn't want to go to the place that everybody said that they're agreed upon. And you find out later and they're disappointed. Well, do we need to be upset about that? It sounds like they needed to vocalize more. So when we have kiddos like our, AD, our ASD kids who simply <laughs> state what's going on and why they're struggling, like we should always give them that same, you know, that same benefit of being fully transparent, you know, what, instead of hiding something from them. Cause then, you know, what does that teach them? It teaches them that it's, it's better to hide or, or it teaches them, it doesn't teach them anything because we're not actually spelling it out for them. Sometimes they really need, you know, we could be upset and they could be on a completely different thought, but when we're able to explain our feelings to them, like we talked about earlier with that, with marriage be hard mentioning it, you know, when we can explain our feelings to them, then they have the opportunity to really try and understand where it is we're coming from. They might still be caught up in their thought, but if we continue the path of saying, I'm explaining to you where I'm coming from, like that's, that's the greatest gift we can give for them in hopes of learning how we empathize and how we process our emotions. Yeah. Really good stuff, bud. Appreciate the uh, conversation here. And um, not to worry, listeners, I will put all of these good books and resources in the show notes for you. Never Split the Difference and Marriage Be Hard, The Color Monster, and links to some Slumberkin books if you're a millionaire. Just, that's, <laughs> that's my one PSA to Slumberkins. Like, lower the price on that, guys. Come on. This is, this is kids' products we're talking about. They're not, they're not in Dolly Parton's book club, are they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thanks for the talk, JJ. I think there was some really good stuff here and uh, definitely stuff that I'm going to implement uh, moving forward after we hit stop on this podcast. So thank you, brother. Yeah, thank you, buddy. I hope to follow some of my own advice on this one time, too. <laughs> oh, isn't that always the most difficult part is following our own advice. <laughs> Wait, before well, I gotta... we go, I, I have to uh, look up this one uh, um uh, lyric, but go ahead and talk while I look up, look it up real quick to end this 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 podcast with. Well, I just want to you know say point it out to the listeners. You know, I, I I get a lot of inspiration from this guy here that I get to chat with every week, and uh, there's there's so much uh, wisdom that I gain from from you, buddy, and uh, and the fact that you talk through these things and how the situation had some failures and stuff, and then it also how it had some successes. Like this is how that growth really exists um, in the process. And uh, so I love I love the idea of us talking about our failures and reminding ourselves that we're going <laughs> to, we're going to walk out the door and make the same, we're going to trip over the same damn rock that we just talked about moving out of the way. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we're still going to learn. We're still going to grow through it if we don't fall on our face every single time and have to be rushed to the hospital. But yeah, we are, we are definitely growing from this and I hope that uh, everybody gets some good stuff out of this because I certainly do. Yes, I, I hope so too. And uh, to end on a good uh, bit about advice, be careful whose advice you buy, but be patient with those who supply it. Advice is a form of nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of fishing out the past from the disposal, wiping it off, painting over the ugly parts and recycling it for more than it's worth. I don't know how valuable that is as a coach telling saying that, but uh, something I always <laughs> I always uh, listen to. That's from uh, Boz Lerman's "Everybody Wears uh, Sunscreen." Yeah. If you've heard that song, uh, which I always kind of have to seem to to listen to like once a year to kind of put things into perspective. So I'll put that mm. in the show notes too, guys. So not to worry. Uh, but thanks, yeah. guys, for listening. Thank you, JJ. I'm your host, CJ. I'm JJ. And this has been another episode of the ADH Dads. See you next time. Dad, 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 dad.